Welcome to Mint, a unique look into how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. I'm your host, Adam Levy, and let's kick off this episode by giving some love to our three NFT sponsors. They are Coinvise, Poop, and Social Stack. First off, on Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today. Next up, we have Poop, or short for Proof of Attendance Protocol, who enables a novel way of creating one's life diary. Leveraging NFT technology, Poop facilitates an easy way to mint non-fungible tokens related to meaningful events. It's frequently used in crypto-native communities, and now it's starting to create NFT collectors in the mainstream too. Collect or launch your own POAP today by visiting poap.xyz. Next up, we have Social Stack, a platform for communities, brands, and creators to build mission-driven social token economies, offering an easy-to-use non-custodial wallet with a suite of open-source community engagement tools. Social Stack makes it simple to bring your community into Web3 and be a part of creating an open-source, gratitude-driven future for social tokens. Create a free social token wallet, discover mission-driven social token communities, or apply to launch your own token on Social Stack by visiting socialstack.co today. This episode welcomes the community lead at Zora and the singer, songwriter, producer, NFT connoisseur, artiste, Latasha. I had a really good time talking with her. She's a true visionary in the space, specifically when it comes to the intersection of music and crypto. I had the pleasure of talking to her about all things Web3 in the music industry, and more specifically, the current wave of uh, of like this crazy NFT music revolution we're going through right now with all these independent artists tokenizing their songs and kind of sharing ownership with the Ethereum community. So in this episode, we talk about her upbringing uh, her kind of opening for Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, and a bunch of other legendary people. Um, how she kind of transitioned out of homelessness and into the position that she's at of selling thousands upon thousands of dollars of NFTs of her songs. Uh, we talk about how she finds her time balancing her music career and working full time at Zora. How she got started as an independent artist and, and kind of diving headfirst into the trenches of Web3. Some of the biggest concerns that came with doing that how she determines the price of a song and her mental model around doing that, tips for those who want to follow a similar path to hers, how she envisions the future relationship between artists and Web3 looking and feeling like, and so much more. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Latasha, welcome to Mint. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Adam? I'm good. Thank you so much for being on. I'm so excited to have you on. You are legit a force on crypto Twitter, a force in person. Uh, but before we even get into why, give me a quick brief about yourself. Who are you? What were you doing before crypto? And where are you now? I'm Latasha. I am a singer, songwriter, rapper, producer, artist, and Zora's artist community lead. Before this, I don't know what I was really doing, but I know that music was my heart work. Um, I went to Wesleyan University where I studied African-American studies, psychology, and hip hop. Thought I was going to go into Broadway, ended up just wrapping my face off in ciphers. And before I knew it, I was opening for like Kanye West, Q-Tip, Big Sean, and all these crazy people. And God just was like, I guess you're going to be a rapper now. So I started moving in the directions of the mainstream rap forces and try to get into the industry and do the label thing. But it never felt true and succinct with my true being and spirit. So I quit and then I restarted in 2015 completely independently. I'm a Brooklyn girl, so you know I'm all about owning my masters because that's what Jay-Z <laughs> taught us. And I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this independence out. And it was really tough. Um, didn't like didn't have all the means to do it, didn't really have any support family or things like that to do this music thing solo. So, you know, went through all the trials, been homeless, been down and out, been all of the things. Wow. And um, then in 2016, a woman bestowed me like a large sum of money to fully 
quit my nine to five life and do this solo dolo. And so I was doing it and it was still tough, but decided to move to California to just have some expansion and space. And then the pandemic hit (laughs) and I was like, oh Lord, no performing, no shows. What am I going to do? Ah, and my partner, Jamel Reynolds, um, he goes by Art by Jaw on Twitter, um, told me about NFTs and he was selling his 2D, 3D art on NFTs. And I was like, oh, snap, what is this? And was real skeptical about it. Didn't believe it. I thought it was fake. I was like, where's the scam? And did all my studies and research and found out there was like a real space growing out of this and a space that could really be healing for artists, especially musicians like myself. And so got my first NFT minted on Zora in February. And that was the beginning of this new hero's journey. That I'm wow. <laughs> Wait, what a what a journey. What a way to start opening up for some of the greats, experiencing that side of the music industry. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, how did you get to opening for Kanye and all these big figures? <laughs> to be honest, it really, like I always say, it was like God magic. I mean, I always believe that my music and my art has like a spiritual tie and a lot of times things just happen to me. So I was a huge and still am a huge fan of Kanye West um, and created this project called The Presentation, which was off of all old school Kanye West beats. And like, I mean, old school, like things that people never knew Kanye rapped on. (laughs) And and so that went viral on YouTube for a little bit. And people were like, yo, she's fire. Like, who is this girl? And there weren't really a lot of women artists, like rappers at the time. Nicki Minaj was like the thing at the time. And so um, I remember just getting an email one day like, hey, do you want to, you know, perform at the Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival? And I was like, hell yeah. And then Kanye was sharing the stage with me. And so was Kendrick. And so was Q-Tip. And so was all these crazy people. And so... Then it just kept happening like that. I would just keep getting these crazy emails like, do you want to open for Big Sean? Do you want to open for Ghostface Killer? And I was like, yeah, because like, how am I going to say no? Dude, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So that was like the beginning of my journey. Um, and then I started realizing that you could get paid off of performing and do all these things. So I was like, word, where the cash at? Um, wow. So that so- was like. And, I, and I'd, lo- I'd love to also talk about, because you brought up being homeless for a minute, because mm-hmm. I find that hard to believe. Look how successful you are right now, right? And look mm-hmm. how much of an industry leader you are with selling music as NFTs, right? And really pioneering that space, but also coming from a background of opening for some <laughs> of the greatest of our time. Yeah. Can you but talk a-, a little bit more about that that other era? Yeah, but I feel like a lot of times people think that just because you're opening for these artists or you're getting these opportunities that you're getting fed, Mm. that's not always the case. A lot of times artists are actually struggling big time that are on tour and that are doing these things. Um, I was fully independent. I only had a few managers at the time. And most of my managers were like learning the industry as we went, you know, and so we were all kind of in the fire. And during that time was also the switch. We were going from, you know, CDs to Spotify and all of that stuff. I was like at the beginnings of Spotify's growth. Mm. Um, So nobody knew what was what and how to make a buck. (laughs) Um, So I went through the trials and industries, you know, I've had labels try to transform me and make me into like, an artist that I didn't want to be very like hypersexual and things like that. And um, I just knew that that wasn't for me. Um, And as many times as I've tried to like fit myself into a box, it just never was the box for me. (laughs) And, um, you know, I went on tours and paid for my own tours and then would come back with no money. Um, And so I've like lost my home one time because of that. And it was like a whole summer, just like couch surfing and figuring things out. Um, But I was blessed for those moments because those moments I really believe allowed me to align to the moments that I'm in right now. Damn. That's deep. Yeah. That that really sets the tone for for who you are and your character and 
kind of like your drive and ambition and this goes back like now look at you right like <laughs> owning your shit and before we even get into like the nft concert that was an nft nyc because you said some pretty really dope on stage i want to talk about like explain your genre to me okay I explain like for, for those who aren't familiar with who you are okay and the, the music that you opened for kendrick and for kanye like how did you get to that point of finding your voice Wow, that's such a heavy question. I mean, I think my voice is constantly evolving, but I know the essence and the thing that is consistent with my voice is just being honest and from the heart and connected to the spirit. I think that's always what my voice will always be. It's a passionate real like real Brooklyn, New York <laughs> girl voice that will always be there no matter what genre I'm in. Cause I like to twist and turn in genres too. I'm big on like hip hop of course is the core of everything. Um, Cause I believe hip hop is the core of just black sound where we are right now. And, um, but I like to turn into like a jazz singer sometimes. I like to turn into a pop star sometimes. I like to, turn into a reggae dance hall queen sometimes and just like do all the things. Um, but at the core, it's about that story. It's about that passion. It's about wanting empowerment and transformation for myself and my peoples. And that's what I think I vibrate in everything that I do. And I hope I continue to do that. You know, one thing that you really vibrate uh, is like the essence of independent artistry, right? You're really big on that. Um, and cause you've had labels try to form you, right. And to try to dictate your image and who you are, own you, et cetera. How did you get to like that mental state to be like, I don't need these people. All I need is myself and the people who love me and support me to kind of bring me to where I want to be. how did you make that switch? Because I feel like a lot of artists, they get sucked in by that initial check, right. Yeah. That kind of gets them in the door. How did you bypass that? Um, you know, I, I just always really didn't understand how a label could tell you and dictate how much you're worth, you know, by just like streaming numbers, by, you know, what a YouTube number is. I just was like, that is not worth to me in the same way a performance equates to worth. Like, I, I, I will do a show and people would be like, this changed my life. And that means so much more to me than like a number on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. But I think when it really solidified for me was in 2015, 2016, when that woman came into my life and she heard one of my songs called Black Magic. And she was like, girl, why are you not famous yet? Why are you not doing the things yet? And I was just like, you know, I don't know. I'm just like doing it and seeing how it goes. And she bestowed me $10,000 off just the bat, off just like believing in my art and believing in what I was doing. And I always tell people this story, this story. And I'm like, maybe that was my first NFT experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But she just bestowed it to me. And that made me realize like, oh, people will support you if they really believe in it. You don't really need a label to do it. And I already knew my brand. I already knew my market. I already knew who I wanted to reach out to. It was just like now I just need to expand and you know, make some more money to keep doing it. But that's where it really affirmed for me. Yeah, because you're already talking about like this, uh, this NFT thing. Okay, really quick. For those who don't know what is an NFT? Okay. And, and I, and I, and I hate asking the definition because my <laughs> podcast is about NFTs, but I feel like there's gonna be artists listening to this, trying to understand more of your story. So how do you think about NFTs? Because everybody has a different definition. Yeah, how do totally. you define it for your context as an independent artist? Yeah, I, I call NFTs now fun time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, NFTs are <laughs> non-fungible tokens. But in my mind, I like to think of it as a box where you could put anything inside of it. Um, you could put music. You could put art. You could put a car. You could put literally anything into it. It's a token that you could pretty much use to play, right? Um, I also kind of consider it like an autographed 
form of whatever art. So my definition often is like, this music video is autographed by me. Um, this NFT is an autograph form of my music video or my autograph form of my music. And usually that's when artists are like, oh, I get that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, because other ways kind of get complicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's super simple. One thing you tweeted out recently is like NFTs have caused you to fall in love with music again. Um, you tweet that, tweeted that I think today, a few days ago. I don't remember. So, sometime recently, okay? Yeah, Why time is, is that? not yeah, real anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? What is, about, what is it about their nature, their form? What is it about blockchain, crypto, whatever it may be to you that has made you fall in love with music again? Because that's really deep. There's so many reasons why, but I think it's seeing my value meet itself in real time. Um, that is really something that I needed to fulfill within myself. I think a lot of people deal with like money wounds as artists. Like we have wounds of like not feeling supported or not feeling like cared for. We have a lot of safety wounds within ourselves. And when I got into NFTs, I felt like that started to really heal and quickly um, because I was like, I've been putting so much effort into this music. I've been putting so much effort into my music videos. How come, you know, nobody's giving me what I deserve out of it. And when I got into NFTs, it was like, oh, wow, like I'm seeing my effort in real time and I'm seeing like the investment in real time. And so many of like the people that I got to partner with in my journey, like my partner, Jamel and my two best friends, Angel and T, they were riding with me before even NFTs. And I wouldn't have a buck to pay for them to do a music video. And they just rode with me. And now I'm in NFTs and I'm like, yo, when this NFT sells, I could pay you guys now. <laughs> and that's like the beauty of this thing, right? Like it's organic. It's like an organic form of love for just support and abundance and all of these things. Um, I just love it. And I I mostly have been putting up like content that I already had existing on YouTube or, you know, Spotify. And now they're on NFTs and they're selling like crazy. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I've sold over 50 NFTs at this point. And wow. it just goes to show you like you think YouTube and you think, you know, Spotify is where, you know, you decide and define what an artist you know, successes, but it's not always the case, right? Like this is beyond that now. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you've repurposed your initial content into the form of non-fungible tokens, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, that reduces 50% of the stress of getting into the space because it's one thing to have the content to use. It's another thing to understand how to apply it in the setting, right? Exactly. When you were getting started as like an independent artist in the space, diving head first into Web3, what was it like getting started? Like, can you walk me through like those initial days of like, okay, what am I doing? <laughs> what is crypto? Like share with me that, that thought process. Sure. I mean, the first like month that I decided I was going to do this, I remember like, going through my old content and going through my hard drives and being like, okay, what's like a record that I don't have out? That was like one. I was like, I don't want to release anything that's on Spotify because I don't know the nature of this beast yet. Um, so it was one, what wasn't out and what is something that people haven't really seen? So I have like, I mean, hard drives and hard drives of content from shows, performances, tours, all that kind of stuff. And so I just selected like some content that I had that I used to use for a show. And then I put it with a song that I would perform on that show. And then I just made this like music video out of it. And that was like my first music video on Zora um, and my first NFT on Zora. Wow. And I and I think that made me one of the first people to put music video as, on blockchain as well. And so um, that was like a crazy moment. Like, I honestly just was like, let's put things together <laughs> and just like see what happens. And that thing <laughs> sold in three minutes. And then I was like, all right, as I kept diving into 
you know, NFTs, I was like, let me try different things. So I don't only have music up, I have poetry up, I have like performance art up, I have just beats that are like no raps on it, like my production is up. Um, and I would just say, I would keep saying like, there's really an important factor about me being multidimensional within NFT. I think this space calls for that. It calls to see all sides of artists, see like the weird shit that I do and like the cool, like, you know, drawings and little things that I'm creating on the side that nobody really gets to see. I think that's what NFTs are calling for. It's for that cryptic side of us, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how my first couple of months were. And then I started just pushing videos. I was like, all right, let's yeah. do this music video thing. Let's get it. You like you made it seem like you didn't even think twice. You're just like, I don't give. Like, I'm going all in. I don't care if I mess up. This is where it's at. Everybody's learning at the same time. There yeah, are no I mean, rules. Yeah, I mean, the space is so brand new, right? Like the space is especially at that time. That was like at the beginnings. I was like, nobody's really here. What do I got to lose? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably pay some money on gas and that's probably the hardest part, right? But over over time, I just realized it, it was a space for me to be myself um, and just like pour out all of the parts of me. I have this one um, NFT that's called Third Eye and it's like just me just rhyming and just this art piece that I have that I created. And I was just like off a day. I just made it in, a, in like an hour. And I was like, let me see what it does as an NFT. And it was just like, that's how freeing it felt. Like just do stuff, you know, yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. Wow. That's like, I feel like for all the creators, all the artists that's listening and you keep asking like, how do I get started? What's my first step? Just use that as your advice. Just get started. Take a piece of paper, open up your memos, record something, take a picture, attach it and upload it right exactly and just, go and just like break the ice mm -hmm. i think also i always tell homies especially in my zoratopia classes or hangouts um for your first nft put something out that really speaks to who you fully are I, I that was like one thing that i feel like my first nft embodied it was like this performance art music video song but it, those are all the parts of me. I'm a performer. I'm a musician. I, I, you know, I like visual. It all has to encompass all those parts of you because then it makes it easier as you go along and give people yeah. different pieces. Yeah. Speaking of Zora, how did you get to Zora? How did you get to working <laughs> full time over there? Uh, I remember when that announcement came out, you joining Zora, you're heading community, a lot of the culture side over there. How? Like, what's the story behind that? I know I mean, you, you were using the platform earlier, <laughs> but like, take take it away. <laughs> I am an OG Zora. Like, that's what they called me. I was one of like the first people to use the platform. And I fell in love with the platform, to be really honest. I really believe in the ethos and the ideas of autonomy that they spoke on. And the white paper was like a seller. Like, I was like, all right, all this thing that the white paper is saying is me, pretty much. And so I would just like always push my homies on Zora no matter me working there or not before I even worked there I was like you got to use Zora like that's the platform and then I was hyped because it was no commission like 15% commission like other platforms was not there it was zero commission taking from Zora right I was hyped because I could put music videos on there and no other platform allowed large size files on it. And then three, I loved the aesthetic. I loved this like ethereal cryptic aesthetic that Zora was going for. And I was like, ah, this speaks to like all of my identity. Wow. So I fell in love and I just kept pushing it. And then um, in June, the, the head, the CEO and CFO asked me if I wanted to join. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm happy they did because they need artists in these spaces. We deserve to be at the tables making these decisions for these platforms and protocols, you know, um, and I'm really grateful that they did that because it changed the minds of a lot of other platforms and protocols I witnessed sure. after. Yeah. What does a day in the life for Latasha look like at Zora? <laughs> oh my gosh, my day is insane. Um, <laughs> so I start my day around 9 a.m. I'm checking my Slack. I have like at least 
six to eight messages on Slack from the team. And then I go to my fun Twitter and I have at least 40 DMs from artists. <laughs> um, 10 of them are new artists that are just starting this NFT thing, have no idea. I ship them off to Zoratopia, which is our <laughs> um, is our bi-weekly hangout where you get to learn about NFTs. I onboard artists. I get them their wallets. I teach them the whole walks of this thing every other week on Wednesdays. And then the other... Uh, I don't know, other DMs will be like group chats talking about projects and ideas that they have coming up and how Zora could support them in real life events that I'm building. Um, so we're building stuff at Art Basel and different, you know, exhibits and things of that nature. And then I'm on Twitter tweeting all day. My ideas You really are talking. tweeting all day. I am. That's my life. I, I live on Twitter. That's my second home. Um, I'm tweeting all day, getting people like just to listen and talk. I also host Zora FM, which is like our Twitter spaces. So I interview artists and creatives and developers dropping on Zora. And then I'm building a platform with Zora on the other side of this thing. So <laughs> my life is just chaotic and beautiful. But um, every day is a new day and we're building just a lot of different things all the time. I'm also the bug person. So I, everybody comes to me for their bugs and then I go yeah. to Laura and scream about all the bugs that are that going makes on. Sense. That <laughs> makes sense. You know what that reminds me of? You live like a, a, a very dual life from your artistry and your creative side, but also working professionally in the space and building up your repertoire with a lot of legit people, right? Beyond mm -hmm. the music. And it reminds me of like artists who are trying to make it working in restaurants and, house, and hospitality, right? doing their day-to-day -day just to like pay rent and then mm -hmm. doing artistry on the side. Yeah. But you found a way to kind of mix your love for two by being an early adopter. How can other artists do that? I think it's back to that idea of just stepping in the water and just like, you know, talking to people, connecting with folk. I mean, I was talking to Jacob from Zora. I was talking his ear off about my ideas for Zora and same to D and like, just saying what you think things need um, in the space and what you need in the space. I think that's the best way for folks to really get involved and get jobs and get connected. Um, when I thought of like, when I was working for Zora, when I started working for Zora, I was like, okay, like I'm Jay-Z now, like Jay-Z got this, you know, business side of him and he also be rapping his whole yeah. day. So that's like how I kind of seen it. And the beauty also with working with Zora is like, I still get to be an artist. Like they want me to push my artistry and do the things that I'm doing. And I'm so grateful and blessed for that as well. Yeah. How, how do they kind of like support you on the creative side beyond kind of like managing the platform, the community? What does that look like? Um, I mean, I get to build in real life events that I get to perform at too. So that's like a great, like, you know, win-win. And I get to like bring on my homies too, you know. And it is such a win-win, yeah. yeah. Yeah, share experiences like that. Um, I also got to do the NFT fam photo shoot and like get all the artists together and hang out. But also that fulfills my creative needs too. Like I love taking photos and, you know, telling these stories and pushing the history. So, yep, that's, yeah. that's some of it. Speaking of events, okay, let's talk about <laughs> NFT NYC. More specically, uh, this NFT music collector named Brett Shear, a.k.a. Blockchain <laughs> Brett on Twitter. Go check Shout him out. out. Shout out to Brett. Uh, big collector uh, for music NFTs and is very vocal about his love. Uh, he works at Palm Tree Crew, manages the blockchain fund uh, for, for Kygo and the team over there. Um, and he put together like this inaugural NFT concert where he basically invited all of his collect or all of the artists that he collects on stage to perform in front of a live audience. Right. Mm -hmm. Super cool. I told him like this was a start of something new, that it's going to be a reoccurring thing and it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Agreed. I had the honor to watch you perform. <laughs> You're, and I said this in the beginning, you're a force. You're a legit force. Your energy on stage, your passion for like, you can see that you stand for something, right? Mm -hmm. It goes back to one of my first questions, like finding your voice. How do you find that identity though? How do you, like, how does that come through technology? How does that come through music? Because, you know, you said earlier, when you get into crypto, be yourself. But a lot of people have a hard time still finding their identity and who they are, mm -hmm. right? 
you had that on stage. You were like jumping around. You were you were you were going crazy. I, I can't I, I can't explain it. You just have to see it. everybody that's sitting needs to watch you one day, okay, in person. How do you find that identity, right? And how does that translate into how you perform and your your passion for technology? I don't know if I I, I found the identity. I think my identity found me. You know what I mean? I think I was just I've just always just been who I am and um and just let that grow and bubble and boil as big as possible until the pot burst, you know what I mean? And um that day was such a beautiful and epic day. I felt like that week was insane. We had like crazy in- issues at other events and I was really gr- grateful Brett put me onto that event because that event felt like love and I felt like I could be my fullest self. I always feel like I could be my fullest self in places that are full of love. And so, um, yeah, I mean, as for identity, like I always say, I feel like identity is an evolving, transformative thing that is always happening, always being, but at the core, it's about what I value, right? It's like the things that I value is empowerment. The things that I value is transforming and shifting the paradigm. Those are the things that always are a part of me. And so I think that just exudes through everything that I do (laughs) and exudes multiple times on stage because I love the stage. The stage is my heart work and that's where I get to really show out. And you really see that. You really, really see that. And I remember we had like, it was like five, six, seven performers. And when you got on stage, it was just like, like what's going, <laughs> like, like what's going on? <laughs> From your suit to your hair to the music that you're playing to your dancing around to jumping into the crowd and coming back to the crowd and like having this monologue of who you were and what you stand for. And being, I think you said, quote for quote, like being the first black woman rapper on the block on the blockchain, right? And making that part of your identity of being like an innovator, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? It's something that a lot of artists look forward to. And I say that not because like I'm assuming that rather I talk to artists and they're asking the questions, how can I use NFTs to own my audience, to mm-hmm. own my craft? to build communities around myself and what what I believe in to align people, right? Mm -hmm. When people ask you that, how do you answer that? Like, what are those like first steps to kind of getting there? (sighs) I think during the pandemic, I did so much healing work and so much like self work. And I used that time to like plot out my values, plot out like what I want to see. I did a lot of manifesting work. Um, If you guys know me, I own like a million notebooks and in my notebooks, I just write down all the things I want to see, all the things I want to be, all the values that I hold on to and how I want to change the world in a very like, I mean, I know that's cliche, but I I really want to see things change. And so the steps that I always give to peeps is like, write it down, write down everything that you want to create, all the things that you truly value, and then see how your values connect to the things that you want to manifest in the world. And if something isn't fully tied, dig into that thing, understand why that thing is the thing you want, right? Like, i.e. money, right? We talk about money all the time because we're in crypto and we're in ETH and everybody's excited about making all this bread. But like, why do we want money? Like, what's the importance of having money? Like, how does that really tie into our deeper values? And for me, it was like the opportunity to give, the opportunity to share, the opportunity to, you know, feel safe and secure and not have the government be chasing me for some dough. (laughs) Like, these are like real things (laughs) that I really wanted to like clear up within myself. And so I would write it down. And I think writing down is like the best way to see things come to life. Um, So that's like my number one tool to like manifesting and understanding what your values are and what you want to bring. Yeah. So rather than kind of just like going ham, because there's one portion of like going ham and like doing it. And there's another portion of like taking the steps and taking the time to, to create like a mental model around it, mm-hmm. put it on paper 
and kind of like follow with that, right? Yeah, I mean, going ham is very important. I feel right. like you need to go ham so you can see the chaos <laughs> and be like, whoa, 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 right? I feel like the beginnings of my career was very much so go ham, go crazy, see what you like, what you don't like, and then take a step back and then realize the parts that you want, the parts that you don't want, and kind of walk in that journey. Yeah. Who are some of the other NFT artists that kind of inspire you or you kind of look up to or get motivation from? Do any come to mind? Yeah, I have a ton. Um, Tell me. I adore, of course, Art by Ja is my partner. Like, of course, my like big inspiration. Um, Sursu, um, Amir is a huge and like thought leader in the space and really inspires me. I love Momo Pixels, who's like this dope video gamer, producer, just everything. Um, Faith who's like an incredible also thought leader, but community leader in the space. And I really always give Faith mad props because I think she was like the beginnings of me seeing the possibility of being a community lead mm. um, as a black woman um, and what that equates to. Um, shout out to ATM, who's like this crazy, just illustrator, just off the chain, creating really dope PFP project coming up. Um, shout out to my fam T and Angel. T is about to bring a really cool series that I haven't seen done in NFT yet, like a film series. And Angel also is going to bring film and photography. Um, there's so many. <laughs> Vierte, Vierte. Yeah. I got to always give Vierte my love because Vierte was one of the first women that I watched do the mu music nft space and um do it different like she was the first time i saw somebody you know give their masters a part of their masters to someone and experiment and try and also was so loving to me and just supportive of like my walk in this space um black dave also connie digital so many i could so go on, for on and on um you brought up Ver verte she's yeah. she like she comes to mind as well i remember yeah. coming across her work not necessarily from her music per se but discovering her music through crypto yeah okay? and i remember specifically during the clubhouse era and i can't believe i'm saying era as if it was like <laughs> 10 years ago but like literally seven eight months ago when clubhouse was still popping and all these nft communities were congregating on there right she did a session with uh, with Justin Blau. It was her. I think Cooper Turley was on there. Um, and a couple others preparing for her drop, that master's drop that you were talking about. Yeah. And that was also like the time where I was like, okay, we keep talking about this concept on podcasts. Like I had, I had uh, Justin and Cooper talking about the future of NFTs like a year and some months ago. Mm -hmm. And then a few months later, like Justin came out with his big drop. Verde came out with her drop and we see we saw more and more artists now, though, we're at a stage where catalog.works is like bringing so much value. I think they've distributed over a million dollars so far mm -hmm. directly to fans from collectors to artists, which is insane. Just the number of streams that would have required on Spotify to reach that. That's number one. Number yeah. two, we're at a pivotal point in NFTs and music. Yeah. Right. We're seeing a lot of people explore this route. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of people make a lot of money from this and kind of realizing what freedom and ownership is. Absolutely. Which is huge, right. And actually Absolutely. starting to understand, wait, being independent might actually be really good. Wait, being, <laughs> being independent and building a team and treating it like a startup yeah. right? and building my team around me. One focuses on publishing PR. I focus on creating, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And building from the core and out. Yeah. People are starting to realize that, right? Yeah. And that's always been a lot of our dreams to build our own teams and have the capacity to do it. I mean, I already had that. Like I had a visual team that was sitting there, I had management, I had different things. I just couldn't pay them because I was like, I don't have any like yeah. funds coming in. But now with NFTs, this opportunity allows me to like fully develop my own team that speaks to my true self, right? Like now I don't have to deal with a, a label telling me how I need to be. Like I could tell everybody, this is who I am and this is how I create my work and how can we work together to expand that, right? Yeah. Yeah. What What is the future of like artist and label relationship look like in the world of Web3? <laughs> 
Everybody right? always asks me this question and I'm always like, eh. Um, but let's, I, let's, and if you don't know, that's okay. Let's even like walk it through because it's a future thing, right? Yeah. Like totally. I, I see it as a thing where artists stay independent, mm -hmm. record labels buy their works to reap mm -hmm. the upside and financial value rather than like holding them by the neck, right? Exactly. And, and determining, right? It could be yeah. either through the form of an NFT or through their social token that they might launch, right? How do you see it? Do you see a similar vision? Yeah, totally. I do see a similar vision. I also see labels just taking up the marketing route, possibly, and just becoming more of the marketing um, than actually owning anything. I feel like if if they really, you know, about it, like they say they're so about artists and that one, um, they would actually think about the things that artists actually need. Like, we don't need anybody owning our work. We need you know, companies to come in, support the marketing, support the connectivity. That's what we really, really need. So if anything, I would love to see labels do more of that work. But your idea is incredible. Like if they decide like, okay, we'll buy this work and then we'll help you with your publishing. We'll help you with your marketing. We'll help you with all those things for a short period of time. <laughs> Let's talk about that perpetuity issue that, you know, we're dealing with in labels. Yeah. We need to clear that and make it a short period of time, then yeah, I, I would be open to that idea. Definitely. But anything that's going to take from the artists way too much, I'm against. Yeah. I think that's where like overall, we're just moving out of that whole idea and paradigm. So um ready to yeah. shift that completely. You know, one thing that I see like music labels kind of evolving into and this might be far-fetched and it might be a hot take, but I think they're going to be evolving into hedge funds. Okay, mm. And the reason why they may, may be evolving into hedge funds is because more and more creators are tokenizing themselves or mm. their assets and yeah. or their assets. Okay. Yeah. And putting themselves, their character, their identity, their level of ownership on chain, which mm -hmm. makes it publicly accessible to purchase by anyone with ETH, whatever the currency is with an internet connection. Right. Yeah. And if, if record labels kind of want to keep up with with their element of investing in artists, right? Yeah. And kind of like seeing their money flip as the creator kind of doubles in, in fame and in wealth and streams and record sales, whatever the metric is, right? Yeah. They might start be optimizing for, okay, which social token projects can we get in early? Yeah. Is the artist tying in their creations and like the value being captured through their creations to their tokens and their community holders, right? Yeah. Whether it be through a token NFT a token or an NFT, excuse me, I kind of see that coming to fruition. I don't know why. I see like like these these record labels acting as big banks, essentially. Yeah, I mean, right? they already do. Right. They already do. <laughs> right. Like in, I mean, in essence, that's what they do now. But how, I guess like I'm thinking out loud, like how does that evolve with tokenized assets? Yeah, I mean, it's back to that idea that you kind of started touching upon just them owning these tokens and then figuring out like a consistent like, revenue stream for themselves and the artists as well, right? Like that's just what it's going to be. But I don't know. In my world, I just don't want <laughs> this kind of <laughs> I don't want this ownership thing anymore from them. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it's been years of this. Like yeah. we literally had to deconstruct everything that they've done from the 20s till now like we're still on the same walks from the 20s that's so crazy like we're still using the same same kind of contracts that were built in the early yeah. 20s like yeah. we have to just demolish it all and rebuild and um i hope so that from, i could be a part of that yeah so from your point of view then okay collecting in web3 versus like signing an artist in web2 how does that differ? Like when blockchain Brett buys an NFT piece, like an NFT song, for those who don't yeah. understand, he owns that work essentially, right? Like let's say at some point there's a decentralized Spotify and he mm. lists that song, right? He'll earn that royalties and whatever splits occur with the artist as well. Okay. But in web two, the record label has a contract and owns the artist. Mm -hmm. So is it the element of owning the individual versus the work? Is that, yeah. is that like the difference? Okay. That's how you're it, thinking. That's about a it. huge difference. Like what I'm able to do on blockchain is not what I'm able to do on like web two. Right. Like 
them owning me as an artist means that every time I sell a t-shirt, they get a percentage of that. Every time I, I sell any part of myself, they get a percentage of that, right? So if I decided to do a commercial for, let's say, Maybelline, they could get a percentage of that. That's yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. Instead, what's happening here essentially is like, okay, you get to own this music onto the blockchain and then you get to resell it. And I get a royalty from every time you resell it. Amazing. I like that idea more so than you telling me you own everything that I do. Right. Um, yeah. That's the scary part of Web2. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's I, why artists go homeless and end up on couches and do the things because they end up with no money after. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. the bigger issue. How do you think about governance? Right now, it's collecting. Right mm -hmm. now, it's like buying assets and building communities around who owns what of yourself, yeah. of your work. I mean, not yourself, excuse me. Do you ever imagine a point where you'll start introducing governance around you as a creator, as an artiste, where, mm -hmm. uh, where let's say, I'm going to bring up Blockchain and Brett because I just love his taste, okay? Okay, cool. Where Blockchain, Brett, and uh, a few others kind of like they collect your work, they love what you do, they've supported you for years now, but now they kind of want to vote on the name of your next album, for example. Mm. Or they, they want to uh, kind of determine who your next collab is or have the optionality to have a voice in who your next collab is with, yeah. right? Do yeah. you ever imagine introducing that level of like on-chain governance? Can you walk me through that? Absolutely. I'm definitely thinking about like a Tosh coin, Tosh Dow, where folks could literally like decide the next moves um, to an extent. Sure. Um, <laughs> I do not want, you know, too many of the next moves to be controlled by the people, but things that I need support in and are like open to opinions for, I would much rather it be from my fans than from somebody or somebody collecting than somebody who's not even a part of the, right. like the work. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely open to that idea. And I see it being in like a I see it being in like my own meta city, like a FWB kind of aspect. I, I love FWB and I think <laughs> how they built it is so smart. And so like the more tokens you get, the more say you get into what the next project is going to be or the next move is going to be or the next tour is going to be. Um, and like the more like IE, if you live in Tosh, L.A., right? Tosh coin LA, right? If you guys got more tokens than Chicago, I might push to LA first before <laughs> I push to Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just like see how it goes. Um, but that's like really cool things that we could end up doing in the future. And I'm really excited for that. I'm excited for it to just be the people. Like that's where I'm at. Like the people are making the decisions, not so much these higher scary ideas yeah. of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> One thing I also want to pick your brain on because it seems like you've got a knack for it. Okay. Mm. And you talk about this concept of value valuing yourself. Okay. Mm. How do you do it in a way where when you release a masterpiece where you as an artist consider it to be a masterpiece. It's, you're very vulnerable about the art that you're publishing on chain. How do you do it in a way where you don't undervalue yourself mm. and you don't overvalue yourself? And mm. I guess as an add-on question, if you want the community to value you, how do you even do that? Right? So mm. I guess the takeaway is like, how do you price a song? Right? Mm. And like from your own point of view. Yeah. Hmm. I guess for me, how I've always priced is like what my brain says first. <laughs> <laughs> so if my brain's like, this is, this is one Eve, I, I'm going to go for it yeah. for the most part. Um, but that's not the best answer probably for somebody who's just starting out. But for people that are just starting out, I usually tell them to think about like how much money they put into the work. So if you've made a song and you've put like this amount of money into recording it, into producers, into et cetera, think about how much money you put into the work and then the work, and then how much do you want to see come back to you? Um, that's like a good gauge of it. So some artists are like, yo, I've had all my equipment. So I've just been doing this, you know, off the fly, you know, this song, I would have sold it to, you know, a company for like, 
$800, $1,000. Okay, I'm like, cool, that's a great start. Now multiply that by three or multiply that by five. Um, and that's like usually what I tell artists to try to do. Um, but for me personally, I just go where my brain and my gut is telling yeah. me. And I'm like, all right, if it's one ETH, we're going to test this one ETH. And it usually works for me. I've sold everything because of that. So I'm really, really proud okay. of that. Okay, there you go. You know, <laughs> and I guess it also depends like who you are as an artist, right? Yeah. How much traction do you have? Mm -hmm. uh, have you made money in the past from the songs that you've created? And how does that kind of equate to you doing this more experimental path on your yeah. journey as an artist, right? Because that can be, that can be even deemed more valuable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I guess when I was talking to, to Justin Blau about it, about like a year a year and some months ago, uh, he was talking about from the point of view of like, okay, I have records out. I have millions of streams. I've made X amount of money from my work already. Mm -hmm. If I sell an NFT below that, this price, I'm like robbing myself mm -hmm. because like if, if a reseller were to make like to actually try to flip it, they have like them and that collector and that audience has like a history of streams for them to kind of refer to mm -hmm. and to see the amount of money that I made from that. And like you have to strategically price it, right? Mm. But I don't think there's a, like an official answer, an official playbook to kind of do it. Everybody's just throwing shit at the fan. Like that's yeah, what it comes down I to. think it's literally that. I think everybody's just trying different things. Um, NFT is still very new too, right? So we can't always like expect the same amounts from a very traditional space to this new baby that's growing, right? Like they like we don't know how much value is in NFT. I mean, we know that it's a lot of value in NFT right now, but we don't know how much it is meeting us yet, right? So um I think it's all about just experimentation. And yeah. I, I talk I talk to V about that all the time. We're just experimenting and trying new things and seeing what hits and what doesn't. But I definitely have had records that were on, you know, sync that got on TV and Grownish and all these places. And then I put them on NFTs and I've definitely saw them equate in value, mm. um, which is so interesting to witness. Yeah. yeah. Like I have glow up. I ironically no, who I am is a great example. Cause when we shot the music video, we were like, this is a $20,000 music video. And then we made $20,000 as an NFT. <laughs> So that just tells you something, something's up. Yeah. Something's definitely happening. So yeah, it's you definitely. Had, you had another bid that went to like $4 billion on party bid. Did I see, that, cor we did have I see a, that correctly? Yeah, I have um, a secondary market um, that's on sale right now for $4 million. Okay. Uh, well, $5 million now because ETH went up. So Jesus. we have a party bid for it because I want everybody to come and yeah. party with <laughs> so we could get this four million dollars popping. Um, yeah, that's that's insane. Like, um, this was a music video that we shot in the the garage off of the whim. We was just like, let's do some, you know, green screen shit, and um, let me rap real quick, and <laughs> let me talk my shit. And the song is amazing and powerful. It's a beautiful record. I love Macdiverse. It's one of my favorite records that I got to collaborate with two artists on. And um, shout out to Witch Prophet and Sun Sun. And so to see it now be worth four million dollars feels so fulfilling for the moment that I was in when I wrote that song. Sure. Because when when I wrote that song, I was pissed with the world. Mm. I was I was like at this was before NFTs. I was like at cap. I was like, all right, I'm done with all this music stuff. I don't know, but I'm gonna put my heart into this. And so to feel like my heart is worth that to folks means a lot and um yeah. it's it's also a historical piece it was one of the first music videos and um the first to like hit that number as well so um really excited to see it hit yeah. for five million really excited makes sense okay i have a i have like a couple more questions i want to ask you before we wrap this up okay okay cool um do you think web3 favors the new artist or the existing artist? Um, I think Web3 favors the, the artist that cares about community. I don't think it's okay. about new or old. I think it's about the artist that connects with the community. Because I've seen both sides. Like I've 
I'm connected with Mick Jenkins and Aluna and all these dope artists who are usually Web2 artists, but because they care about the community, the community cares about them. And so they're connecting that way. But the new artists that are coming in are feeling that same vibration too. So it's about connecting with the community. Yeah. Because I only ask that because let's look at someone like Daniel Allen, okay, Mm -hmm. which was like, I want to say an overnight success in crypto, but it wasn't. It was like four to five months of like grinding yeah. and like making friends and ingraining himself into the the, the world of Web3, okay? Exactly. And then that kind of came to fruition, but people don't see that. People just mm-hmm. see a 48-hour sale of like 180K, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then we see someone like Tory Lanez doing an NFT album, right? Yeah. We're selling a million copies in less than a minute for a dollar in NFT, yeah. right? Which one? Like, how, how do you kind of uh, like, you know what I, I mean, mean? Like, yeah, that new Tory, versus existing, right? That Tory Lanes was a different game, right? Like, that's <laughs> like a whole different smart contract. All that stuff was yeah. very different. Not very in our space. Like, Tory Lanes was an own catalog. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, Tory Lanes was on something completely different. Um, if anything, that's like what Nipsey did back in the day when Nipsey sold each um, record for $100 and wanted to see who's going to cop it. You know what I mean? So, what Tory Lanes did was, like, actually tap into the technology, which is cool. Um, I have a lot of issues with Tory Lanes, obviously, but um, <laughs> he tapped in with the technology. But, um, he didn't tap in with the community. So I don't see like, I can't see him doing as well if he didn't have a developer to create his smart contract and do all the developments without tapping into the community, you know? Uh-huh. What I mean? um, but Daniel tapped into the community, tapped into the people, wanted to know what was going on. You know, him, Halik, all of these artists like are really engaging with people. Um, and that's what makes it really different and have more weight and value. I don't know if Tory Lanez could do that every every month, right? But I know Daniel probably can. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. such a good line. Like people who engage and build for the community. I don't want to sound like a soapbox right now because everybody loves <laughs> using the word community. I but know, it's like it's but like it's what comes word. down to. Yeah, it's like it, we got to find a new word for community and like. And like the group, the clan. I don't know. Do I don't know. I think I'll, we just I'll, gotta I'll t- redefine it. You know. I agree with you. It. I agree with you. Redefining it. Um, yeah. Okay. Another question I want to ask you is like a more personal question. Okay. Um, biggest influence so far uh, in music for yourself. In music. Yeah. Um. I mean, I said music in itself. Like music in itself. Music. Like artist, band, yeah, group. I, it's not one. I have like a, a conglomerate of mothers. So it's okay. Queen Latifah, Missy Elliott, Lauren Hill, Little Kim. Um, though that's my conglomerate of mothers, lyric <laughs> with lyricism. And then for like the art and visual, aesthetic, etc. It's um Tyler the Creator, Childish Gambino. Those are my guys. Um but it all, it kind of all ranges. And Andre 3000. I love Andre 3000. So. Kendrick Lamar? Obviously, Kendrick's always <laughs> on the list. But he's, I feel like Kendrick's like my, my, like, I don't know. I feel like we have North some star, weird, like, yeah, yeah, like North Star kind of vibe, you know. Um, I'm watching him and I'm like, I see what you're doing. I'm going to, you know, right. shoot that. Um, <laughs> but that's my, that's my guy. I love Kendrick. I think he's incredible and excited for his new projects for real, for real. All right. Uh, what can we expect from you in the future? You hinted at a, a coin, at a city. Uh, you hinted at like a new drop. Like, yeah. What are we I gonna mean, see? What are we gonna see? Give us some alpha here. Come on. I'm not giving too much alpha. I need, I need some alpha. Too- <laughs> I need some. Alpha. <laughs> um, I definitely. It's not gonna be a city. It's gonna be an island. That's what we're calling okay, it. Okay. Okay. Um, so Tosh Island is coming soon. Cool. Um. And just get your coins ready for that. We got some really dope music videos coming out for December. It's going to be like heavy music video drops, all hip hop, going real hard on the hip hop tip in December. January, we're going hard on this new project I got coming out called Joyride. Um, That's going to be a bit web two meets web three. Um, I'm going to like really tap in on how to bring my, my community from web two to web three and see how the joyride goes. Um, and then I have a platform that I'm building um, for all artists and 
to do music video and bring their music video onto NFTs um, through Zora. A platform? Yeah, it's going to be like a streaming platform for music videos. So that's oh. the alpha. And do not like, steal the like, alpha. <laughs> like a decentralized YouTube kind of thing? I won't say anything else. I Damn, can't say anything else. why are you teasing else. me? All right. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But we have some cool things in the works with Zora and then um, just all the projects that I'm working on and probably touring next year. Let's cross oh, the fingers. Okay. NFT tour next year. Um, so it's going to be really epic. Um, Do you imagine selling tickets as NFTs? Hell yeah. We're going to have NFT tickets. That's what we, this is all about, right? We're token, Let's go. We're token in these tickets now. <laughs> um, that's the whole vibe. I want to make sure that, you know, you're getting that whole experience. Um and I, I think that's going to really be the bridge, you know, like when the, the tokens become the tickets, people are really going to start understanding what NFTs can do on a larger capacity. Yeah, so, makes yeah. sense. Okay. Last question before I let you go. Okay. Okay, cool. Shout yourself out. Uh, where can <laughs> we find you? Um, this has been a lot of fun. Where, where are you online? I am Latasha. You could find me on Twitter at call me Latasha. I live on Twitter. Like I said, <laughs> um, I'm also on Instagram at call me Latasha. That's L-A-T-A-S-H-A. And then my website's callmelatasha.com. And you will be able to see my NFTs on my website now. Thanks to Zora's embed feature now too. Nice. So that's where nice. you find me. Is your, is your website like a WordPress site or? It's a Squarespace site. Oh, oh, like an actual, okay, that's pretty sick. Yeah, and now you could put your NFTs directly on it from Zora, so that's really cool. That is pretty cool. I'll have to check that out. Latasha, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. When Thanks, your Adam. platforms come out, when your drops come out, we'll be supporting, we'll be promoting. Appreciate it. Um, And I hope to have you again soon. Talk to you guys soon. Peace. All right, peace.